You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget, a holiday edition right here on Moody Radio 89.3. And specifically a Christmas edition as we talk with Dr. Jim Coakley, who's with Moody Bible Institute. All throughout this year, been kind of checking in with you about how we can freshen up our Bible study. And now you're taking a look at the Christmas story. Dr. Coakley, thanks so much once again for joining us. Oh, it's a, it's a joy for me to be with both of you. I think this is kind of a, a, a good year-end type of, because we're looking back, but we're also looking forward. We're going to see some things that we might look forward to in the coming year also, some of these ways to freshen up our Bible study skills. So what makes this Christmas story unique, I guess, in the start as we start this uh, time together? Yeah, well, of course we know it's significant. We have a whole, <laughs> we celebrate basically the whole month of December. We celebrate uh, our Lord's uh, coming, the Nativity, Advent. And so it's not surprising that the accounts in the Bible, both Matthew and Luke, uh, contain some of the elements that we've been talking about that enhance our Bible reading. If we see some of the techniques that the biblical authors use to, in a sense, creatively communicate the story of Jesus' birth. And so really then that's the whole purpose of uh, these kind of mini lessons is to kind of get us to utilize these techniques as we read through the Bible. And it is intriguing that a number of these are found in the Nativity story. All right. So one of the first techniques is the bookends. Why don't you tell us what this is and how we see it reflected in the story? Yeah, bookend is basically where an author uh, will take the same words, same phrase at the beginning and at the end, uh, and it kind of provides a bracketing, kind of a frame for the whole story. Uh, probably the more familiar one is in Matthew's gospel, Jesus shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then if you fast forward to the very end of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, what do we hear on the lips of Jesus as he gives the great commission? Lo, I am with you always to the ends of the age. And so one of Matthew's themes uh, is right from the start and right as he closes the gospel, he talks about Jesus being the with us type of God. And so that starts in the nativity and goes all the way to, uh, to the end. But it also is in Luke's gospel. When we think about the kind of uh, the unusual nativity scene story, uh, we've seen it with the children's Christmas pageants where you have this so-called innkeeper. Well, we do need to correct that really it's not an inn. It's really a upper guest room. Uh, and so let me explain what that is. Uh, they didn't have, you know, separate housing kind of arrangements for people coming in from out of town. Uh, people would stay with family members or with uh, locals uh, in their upper guest room. And so what we uh, call the standard Israelite house is a pillared house or a four-roomed house. Basically, first floor is a courtyard, uh, second floor is living quarters, but then there would be a number of, of rooms kind of uh, elevated off the ground, and this multi-purpose room would be used throughout the year, but then it would also be used for guests who come in from out of town. And so when we read the story according to Matthew, uh, or in Luke's gospel, there is no room in the upper room guest room for uh, Mary and Joseph to, to reside. Presumably some other family members are already there. And so they have to reside probably with the animals because uh, he eats, uh, he's placed in a, in a manger, he's placed where the animals lie, which is probably the first story of the house. But why is this significant is that the word for uh, in or 
guest room is the only time it is mentioned again, it's only twice used in all of the New Testament, is at the end of Luke's Gospel when we hear about the disciples being uh, told to go prepare and get to go to the upper room where he will meet with them. And so it's a guest room. It's where uh, the people would come and, and entertain guests and things. And so beginning and the ending of Luke's Gospel, we have this notion of this upper room, but when Jesus first came, there was no room. Uh, so it was occupied, as it were. But now Jesus is the host as he spends his last few hours on earth with his disciples. And so he is the one uh, going to, uh, in a sense, entertain his disciples in that guest room. And so it's just kind of a neat kind of a, a transition from when he first came to when he's now getting ready to leave. When you're hosting an event, a large event in a large area, and you're holding a microphone, and you call somebody up on stage to get some information from them, they tell you never let that person take the microphone from you. But in Scripture, we see that there's these dialogue passages where the person hands over the microphone, correct? Oh, yeah. This is uh, perfect. I call it step up to the mic, uh, (laughs) where we have... You know, biblical authors are good communicators, and they can control the script of how the details are being communicated. But one of the things they have control over is whether or not they allow us to hear a character within the story speak or whether they maintain the microphone, as it were, and and narrate the actions. And so when we read through the Bible, I always say, look for quotation marks, because you always want to ask the question, why did the narrator allow us to hear this character's voice at this point? And oftentimes it's for one of two reasons. One, it helps us to characterize the person because out of their heart uh, comes the words out of their mouth uh, and reveals their heart. And uh, so we see characterization. But also the biblical author is sly in that he will use these direct speech, these quoted materials, to also help set the theme for what the passage is about. And we see this happening with Simeon's speech early on in Luke's Gospel. You know, after Jesus is born, he's taken to Jerusalem to be uh, dedicated there, and he meets Simeon. Uh, And so what we have here is Simeon is the one who now is going to speak. And so let me read this passage from Luke chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, okay, so now... Uh, Luke has been talking about that. There's other themes, too, the mention of the Holy Spirit. There's all sorts of great stuff going on there thematically. But now we get to hear Simeon's own words. And so listen to what Simeon says, what Luke allows us to hear Simeon with his own speech, his own words say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. So now we get another speech act, another step up to the mic moment from Simeon. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own heart also. And so that the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And so what we notice here is that Simeon's own words 
give us the theme for what Luke is going to accomplish when he's writing this gospel. That is, of course, foregrounding salvation. But also not just salvation in general, but salvation for both Jew and Gentile. And, of course, that's going to be a key theme for his next book, the book of Acts, where he sees the gospel message going out from Jerusalem, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Luke is, in a sense, revealing through Simeon's words what really is on his heart to communicate for us, the readers. And it helps us do that. But then we also have this notion that Jesus is going to be both a blessing, but also a stumbling block. And I think this is so true at this Christmas season. We have Jesus, so many people's hearts resound with the child Jesus, but there also are many who stumble at him. And Luke, uh, through Simeon, predicted this is going to be a key message for the nativity story. Can I just ask you, uh, speaking of dialogue, because Joseph never says anything, uh, was he just an introvert? Or, I mean, does that have anything to do with this understanding of the Christmas story also? Yeah, I mean, it's good that you asked that, because we're thinking about not only uh, who speaks, but who doesn't speak, because oftentimes silence uh, is uh, very telling as well. I mean, Adam doesn't really speak. Uh, It's Eve who speaks uh, for the most part. And so I do think that characterization of Joseph being a very passive uh, is probably true. He's a faithful man, but he's uh, not really an active man. Uh, in terms of outward uh, speech type of uh, settings. Uh, but, you know, again, I think that is something uh, you're, you're, you're following the practice there, and mm-hmm. that's good. That, again, is Dr. Jim Coakley. We do want to thank him for helping us freshen up our Bible study skills. And this is kind of a Christmas edition of that. In fact, he has a whole book about this. It's called 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible. And if you want to find out more about that resource, you can head to our website, ericandbridget.org. We have all the information listed there. Again, the book's called 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible by Dr. James Coakley. You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3.